hear the words we just sung from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You find the Old Testament intimidating? I found over the, the, the last few years as I've taught Bible studies on the Old Testament that people seem to be interested in the Old Testament. They're always eager to study the Old Testament, but I haven't found too many people who feel real comfortable navigating the Old Testament. And I guess you could understand why. It's, it's not in chronological order. You go through the Old Testament and you're not necessarily following a timeline. At some points you are and at, at some points you aren't. Sometimes we're, we're just missing a lot of context. There's things about Jewish culture that we as people who aren't Jewish just don't understand. There's historical details that if we don't do some studying before we read a prophet or, or even a section of an Old Testament narrative, we might have no idea what, what's going on because we don't know the context of what's going on. I know a lot of people find the Old Testament to be intimidating. But then you have this virgin named Mary, probably in her mid-teens, and she shows with her words that she understood everything there was to know and believe about the Old Testament. She, she proves that she understands the Old Testament is really about promises. Promises to send a a Messiah, an anointed one, a king, the, the savior of the world. Started in the Garden of Eden, of course. After Adam and Eve fell into sin, after they believed the lie of the devil, and God made a promise. Speaking to Satan himself, God promised someone, an offspring of the woman, a descendant of Adam and Eve, who would crush the serpent's head. And then God focused that promise on one particular descendant of Adam and Eve, a man named Abraham. And God told Abraham that even though he had no children at the time, that, that he and his wife Sarah were going to have a child, and through one of their descendants, every single nation on earth would be blessed. And then God continued to focus that promise on a man named Jesse, a descendant of Abraham, who had a son named David, who became king over Israel. God promised that a descendant of David would be this Messiah, this king. 
and he would rule on David's throne forever and ever and ever and ever. And as the angel Gabriel is speaking to Mary, she realizes that the Old Testament is about to be fulfilled and the fulfillment of the Old Testament will be inside her womb. For nine months, a miraculously conceived child, the son of the Most High God, a a child who will himself be called the Son of God, will be in her, supported by her body, nourished by her. She's going to be the mother of the Messiah. Can you imagine what was going through her mind as she realizes that this large portion of the Bible, which to many of us could be a little intimidating, but really is not as intimidating as you may think, that this entire book of promises was going to be fulfilled and inside her womb. She knew who she was. She knew that she was a descendant of, of David. She knew that she was a descendant of, of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, whose grandfather was Abraham, a, a descendant of Adam and Eve. But she also knew that Abraham was not chosen because he was somehow special. He was a sinner who needed God's promised Savior too. And she knew that David wasn't chosen because he was so great. He was a sinner. The Old Testament is full of examples of David's sin, full of David's own confessions, acknowledging his sin and how awful it made him feel and how it was only the Lord's forgiveness that restored to him joy. And now here's Mary. You'd think she'd have every reason to maybe be a little prideful. Me? You're picking me to be the mother of my Lord? Maybe, maybe you'd think that she would swell with pride a little bit, but no, she knew her Old Testament well enough to know that the people chosen were not chosen because they were such perfect humans. In fact, they weren't even close to perfect. They were all sinful, every one of them. It was God's grace, his undeserved love, and his undeserved love alone that was the reason for him choosing anyone to be the ancestor of the Messiah. And the same thing was true for her. And so instead of a song of pride, we hear a song of humility. It's good for us to remember this Advent season. Pride does you no good. It doesn't do me any good either. You might not consider yourself someone who is all that proud or all that arrogant. And by God's grace, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe you don't particularly struggle with pride like some of us might. But if you've ever looked at another human and thought, well, at least I'm not as bad as them, then you've struggled with pride. There is nothing in any of us that makes us special in God's eyes. There is nothing in me or in you that makes God love you. Nothing you've done or, or, or thought, nothing in your heritage, nothing in your lineage that makes God love you. Like Mary, he, he just loves you because he's gracious. The focus of his love on you is completely about him 
loving the undeserved, and it has nothing to do with you and me deserving it. Mary said something in her song that reminds us of how dangerous pride is. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Pride does no good. And that's why God comes to us in his word like he came to Mary in his word and humbles us with his words of law that show us our sin but also show us the need that we have for a savior. Did you catch it right at the beginning of Mary's song? My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary knew that God was her Savior. She knew that she needed saving. She had been humbled, and how did that happen? It was time spent in God's Word. She may not have been an expert in the Old Testament. She may not have been a a doctor of theology who could quote exactly where every passage was and tell you every detail about everything, but she knew her Old Testament well enough to know that in his word, God showed her her sin and her need for a savior. And soon, her savior would be in her womb. And then her savior would be born. And then she would raise her savior, the one who had come to save her from her sin. We're we're kicking off our Advent focus in these midweek services with a song of a woman who knew her sin and her need for a Savior. That the one that, that she would bear was her Savior too. And it gives us an opportunity to hear God's word and to come to grips with the humbling reality that we are sinful in need of this Savior who is about to be born, whose birth we once again celebrate in a few short weeks. As you prepare to celebrate Christmas this year, Remember that by God's grace through his word, Mary's song becomes yours. You get to join Mary in singing, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. God has lifted you up by sending his son. Your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with God. Your Savior, Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, Mary's Savior has come. Lord's blessings as Mary's song becomes yours this Advent season as you rejoice in God, your Savior, with Mary and me. Amen.